0: Please open up your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our series, God, Your Family, and You. This is part 4. And I really recommend, if you were just coming in on this series now, that you would go back and you would watch and or listen to the rest of this. Every week builds on the week before, okay? And so if you're not here, some of these things just kind of might be floating out there and you're not understanding how it all relates Very, very important. We have talked about the principle of submission. We'll do that a little bit more this morning. We also talked about last week the responsibility that wives have to their husbands to submit to their authority, not to think in terms of being inferior, but thinking in terms of any organization or organism has a head and has a body. There's one head. And so God has ordained that the man be the head of the home, not the dictator, but the loving leader of the home. And so today we're gonna be talking about how to man up as a husband. Let me tell you how not to do it. A group of men were golfing one day and four of them were on the 18th tee, ready to tee off. Just then a funeral procession went by and one of the men stood up straight, took off his hat and put it over his heart. His golf buddies were stunned. Someone said, we have never seen anyone ready to tee off and then stopped to put his hat over his heart to honor a funeral procession. That's amazing. The man said, yeah, she was a great woman. We were married 43 years. <laughs> Some of you got that. <laughs> that is not how to love your wife. That is not how to honor her. Ephesians chapter five and verse 18, it says this, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled or under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is the way the Christian life is to be lived, whether it's marriage, whether it's everyday life, whether it's where you work, whether it's how you function at church, regardless of the circumstances, how you train up and raise up your children, we are to be filled under the control of the Holy Spirit. And then how does that manifest itself? We'll jump down to verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means he is controlling. And when he is controlling, we are going to be in submission to the Lord. Okay, now folks, listen, sometimes it's easy to be in submission to the Lord. That's when we like the thing God is telling us to do. But sometimes we are challenged because our flesh doesn't want to change. We want to be selfish. And when we will not submit to the Lord, that is when we cease to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And so you might say, well, I thought uh, being filled with the Spirit is something you get when you get saved. No, no. Well, let me put it this way. You do for a certain period of time, because when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And that is a permanent thing. And so from that moment, yes, you're filled with the Spirit. But the truth of it is, as soon as we sin and as soon as we go our way, we're no longer under the control of the Holy Spirit. Remember, filling has to do with control. And so that is a way that we are supposed to live as believers. And so let's go through this, okay? The first thing we want to mention is this. Everyone is to be in submission to God's plan for them in their roles. Wives have a role. Husbands have a role. Both of those roles are ordained of God. Okay. God has a plan for the husband. God has a plan for the wife here in the text. It addresses a wife first. It says in verse 22, wives submit, be under obedience, be under submission unto your own husbands. You notice what it says as unto the Lord. Why does it say that? Well, because God is the one who said to do it. Notice that when a wife submits to her husband, as she should, she is actually submitting to the Lord because God is the one who told her to submit to her husband. If you look up here, if I could do it this way, if this is God up here, and this is the husband, and this is the wife, God says to the wife, submit to your husband. God says to the wife, submit to your husband. It's not so much the husband saying to his wife, submit to me. It's God who says, submit to your husband. And as she does what she's supposed to do, in fact, she is submitting to God because God is the one who said it. You might say, well, what if he is not deserving? of that. Okay. It's not a matter of deserving. It's a matter of walking by faith in the principle of God. It's a matter of trusting God. Folks, if we waited every day in every situation on whether our spouse is deserving for us to fulfill our roles toward them, every marriage would end in divorce because we all fail to be what we ought to be. There is no husband that, and we're going to talk about this, there is no husband that loves his wife every moment of every day the way he's supposed to. There is none. And there is no wife that has the proper respect towards her husband every moment of every day, like God says to. There are none. But that doesn't negate the principle. That doesn't negate the goal that there should be in every marriage. When there is proper submission, this brings order to the home, and when a wife is in submission to her husband, this brings respect to her husband, which is, by the way, his greatest need, as we saw last week. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Do you see Christ is the head of the church? Would we, and would any of us deny that? Hopefully not. (laughs) Well, just as true as that, the husband is the head of the wife according to the plan of God. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, when it says everything, that is everything except for if he wants you to do something that is contrary against, literally against the word of God, then we ought to obey God rather than man. And that is a principle in all of society. We always, God is first. We always obey God before man. But if he wants you to do something that's not contrary to God's word, then we, then you should submit and you should obey. Now, let's move on. What is the role of the husband? Well, look at verse 25, Ephesians 5.25. It says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, look at those words. Husbands, love your wives. Look at the last part of the verse. Gave himself. Gave himself. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You see, a husband is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. Now, while it is true that no man will ever completely fulfill that, it is also true that we are still commanded to do it. It is the goal. It is the direction. It is the assignment. It is the role. This is what we are supposed to to do. It is impossible naturally for a man to do this. And this is another reason why we as believers are commanded to be filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit, because it is indeed to do it right. It is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. See, the world lives by knee-jerk reaction. The world, the world lives by, by response instead of by initiative, okay? I will treat you right if you treat me right. Well, if both of them are thinking that way, we've got a serious problem. Both of them are living by a, con- by a conditional clause instead of an unconditional clause. These are the same people who say, well, marriage is a 50-50 proposition. I'll give 50% if you give 50%. listen, you're headed for divorce court. It is, I will give a hundred percent because that's what God wants me to be. And the other one says, I will also give a hundred percent because that's what God wants me to do. Now, will they in fact always give a hundred percent? The answer to that is no, because we're sinners. We're sinners. And that's why there's conflict at times in marriage. But this issue, husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church. That is the husband's role. Now let's break that down and talk about some of the details. This issue of love. It is the Greek word agapeo or agape, love. It is the highest form of love. It is how God is actually described when the Bible says God is love. That is, you can't get any higher than God's love. And God's love is not reactionary but comes from within. God's love is the highest form of love that there is. There's phileo love, which is relational brotherly type love. Okay. There's different types of love. The highest form is agape love. And that is the love how a husband is supposed to love his wife. That is the kind of love that is supposed to be there. Now, what exactly, if you wanted a definition for love, let me give this to you, and this will be really, really helpful, okay? Love is seeking the highest good for another person. That's love. Love is seeking the highest good for another person. Agape love is unselfishly giving of yourself to another without demanding anything back in return. Again, it's not conditional, agape love is unselfishly giving of yourself to another person without demanding anything back in return folks agape love is love that is yes it gives of itself when it really is excited to and thrilled to and it also gives of itself when it's not as easy to do it when there may be a strain or something you still do the right thing Now the husband is to take the initiative in this. He is supposed to be leading and he is to lead by love. Let me give you a third aspect of this love. Love is most often a verb in the Bible. Very, very important. This is in contrast to the world in which we live. Love is most often a verb, okay? It is a word of action. It is not a state. It is a word of action, listen carefully. It is not as much something you fall into as it is something you do. Let me say it again. It is not so much something you fall into as much it is something you do. Okay. Now there's nothing wrong with saying, Oh, I'm in love with my wife. But what's even more important is for me to love my wife. Do you get the difference? To say you're in love with somebody, that, that's the idea of it's just talking more in terms of your feelings, and that's all fine, and that's part of it. But folks, it's more than that. It's more than that. It is a commitment of life. See, this is found in the marriage vows, in sickness, and health, richer, poorer, for better, for worse. One of the things I do, and I think I've already mentioned this, but I'll, I'll repeat it for those who didn't hear it, when I do premarital counseling, I always talk to the young couple and I, and I say this, now, you know, you guys are starting out and I certainly would never wish this on anybody. What would you do? And I just want you to be honest. I want you to think this through and you can even discuss it with one another. By the way, not a bad idea discussing things before you get married. <laughs> and it is this, what if you got married and two weeks into your marriage, your spouse was in a terrible automobile accident became a quadriplegic what would you do would you divorce him would you say you know what this is too much for me to bear i'm out of here is that what you do you know there are people that's what, exactly what they do today that's exactly what they do that's not love now listen you might say well you don't know how hard that would be you're right i don't but i do know this friends if you have entered into a covenant with that individual you are to be bound by that covenant until you die. Now, I know people make mistakes and things happen, in marriages and their divorces and all these kind of things. I'm just saying this is the plan of God. That's what I'm saying. This is the ideal. This is the way it's supposed to be. It is a lifelong commitment. And a lifelong commitment means you need to learn how to love. Love is most often a verb. Okay, here in Ephesians chapter five, this word is when it says husbands love your wives, this is in the present tense. It is in the imperative mood. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's move on. Number three, a husband is to love his wife first in obedience to God's command. That's the imperative mood. In imperative is a command. It's not a suggestion. Listen, it's you do This, okay? I say that doesn't sound very romantic. You're right. That part is not. You do this, see? By the way, that compels the man to take the lead. Do we get that? Okay? Men are supposed to be the leaders, folks. When there is a stalemate, man is supposed to lead okay? He is to love his wife in obedience to God's command. It is not a suggestion. It is a command. One source says this, it is the love of the mind, reason, and choice. Simply stated, agape love is a sacrificial love. That is a love that cares, gives, and works for another person's good. Boy, that is a far cry from what's in most of the movies nowadays, right? Right? Because most of it today, all it is, is either emotional or sexual. It's all it is. It's amazing, the stuff that goes on today. And if most people spend most of their lives watching TV and these types of movies, is it any wonder why people are not happy with one another? Husband is to love his wife, first, in obedience to God's command, but secondly, he is to do it at all times, all times. That's present tense present tense. Husband, love your wife. Love her now. Love her today. Love her tomorrow. Love her all the time. That's the idea of present tense, okay? Love her all the time. This means we are to be faithfully giving of ourselves to our wives. It is unconditional because if it's conditional, we're not loving her all the time. Do we get that? This may sound strange. We can succeed at the same time we fail. We can be loving one moment and not loving the next. God says, listen, I have something better than that. Love in the present tense. Love all the time. Always think in terms. Make this the way you live your life. Let this be the way. Let God, you might say, well, I don't feel that way. Then let God change you. Let him change us. Third, we are to love in obedience to God's command. We are to love at all times. We are to love, third, sacrificially. Again, this is the highest form of love and describes God himself. God's love for us is a sacrificial love. That means you are willing to give up whatever you have to for the good of that other person. And it is constant. It's supposed to be like electricity, Well, I have this in my notes. I put this in there yesterday. It is supposed to be like electricity. It's always on. Did any of you have your power go off this morning? (laughs) So much for that. (laughs) Only briefly. I wonder what happened. I wonder if somebody ran into something. Happens sometimes. Look at our text again. Ephesians 5 verse 25. What does it say? It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It is supposed to be sacrificial to give himself. It meant to, it means to surrender or to yield, yield up. Okay. Jesus gave himself for the church. Do you know what that means? It means not only that he was willing to die for the church, he actually did die for the church. Man, let me ask you this. Are you willing to die for your wife? Are you willing to die for your wife? Are you willing to do whatever you need to? See, that's why the title this morning, How to Man Up as a Husband. It's challenge, but it's God's challenge. See, God has given us the challenge so that we go to a higher level to where we mature in our love, to where we're not just thinking in terms of society in the way society looks at love, but we are thinking in terms of agape love, that it is a constant, that it is something that we have a focus on. That is our heart desire. Now, do we always succeed? No, we do not always succeed. No one does. Neither do wives always succeed in respecting their husbands as they should, but it is nonetheless the way of God. You notice that in verse 25, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Hold your place here and look with me over to John chapter three. See, the greatest model, the greatest picture, the greatest illustration, life illustration ever given of love is what Christ did for us on the cross. He was made sin for us. We did not deserve that. We deserve to go to hell. We deserve to be lost. We deserve to have God's wrath poured out on us. But God so loved us that He sacrificed His Son. God the Son came and entered human race, time and space, and lived a perfect life and went to the cross not to accidentally die as a martyr. He gave himself of himself. He said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. That's how much he loves us. As a matter of fact, you talk about unconditional love, folks. Jesus even died for those who would totally reject him. Jesus died for those who spit in his face, who beat him with their fists, who tore up his back with the scourge. Jesus suffered untold agony. He became sin for us on the cross. As the God man, okay, his humanity was forsaken. He said so, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me when he was on the cross? He never ceased to be God, okay? He never ceased to be God the Son. But he became sin for us as the God-man. We needed a human substitute for our sin, and that is exactly what Jesus did. He died on the cross, and he paid for our sin. Look up here, illustrated. If this is you and me, and my wallet represents our sin. We are all sinners. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Do you see that, John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave him to do what? To die for us on the cross and pay for our sins. Good works won't pay for sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say your good works will get you to heaven. If we pay for our own sin, we'll be lost forever. The wages of sin being death. But God so loved us, hates our sin, but loves us. He took on flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross of Calvary, he went there, he died on the cross. And when he did, he paid the sin debt that we owe. He was willing to die for us. And he did. And rose from the grave. And the Bible says, if you will trust in him, believe in him that he made that payment for you, he will give you everlasting life. Scriptures are clear. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you want to look at that with me, back to Ephesians, look at chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. In Christ is what it's talking about. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse nine, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. We're not saved by good deeds. We're not saved by being religious. We're not saved by giving money or being baptized or walking an aisle or regardless of what it is. We're only saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. You can't be saved another way. Will you trust in Jesus Christ? as your Savior. This is what it's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 25. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He paid our sin debt. And this is the way husbands are to love their wives sacrificially, okay? I will yield up my life for you so that you can be better, so that you can be blessed, so that you can have the good benefits, so that your life can be Right. Jesus did that for us. We are to do that for our wives. It is a sacrificial love. It is a constant love. It is a love that is in obedience to the word of God. But let me give you another one. It's not only sacrificial. Fourth, it's attentive. We are to attentively love our wives. A husband is to give of his time and attention To his wife. We, the church and the bride of Christ, are the focus of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that here in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 26. You see, on a human plane, the wife is to be the focus of the husband. On a human plane, a wife is to be the focus of the husband. He is to see her as part of his life and part of his life ministry. Verse 26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. A husband is to bring his wife along. He is to lead in that relationship. He is to be the spiritual leader in the marriage. Now, we live in such a day-to-day where most men are not the spiritual leaders in their marriage. More often the case than not, unfortunately, women many times are more in tune spiritually than the men are. And that is just the opposite of the way God wants us to be. Men have a responsibility to bring their marriage, to bring their wife, to bring their family forward spiritually. Give them the attention that they need to where they can be what God wants them to be verse 28 again, it says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord, the church. And by the way, the golden rule is a very simple principle that ought to be applied in the marriage relationship. What is that? Well, Jesus gave it in Matthew 7, verse 12. He says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. When a husband does to his wife as he would have her do to him, it's actually fulfilling the scriptures. He that loves his wife loves himself. Men, listen, when we get married, we are one in union with our wives. Guess what? If we treat them right, we're treating ourselves right. Because we're one. If we treat them wrong, we're treating ourselves wrong. Now, most men would never treat themselves wrong. They would usually say like, oh, you know what, I'm entitled to that, or I deserve this, or I deserve that. Well, you know what? If we care that much about ourselves, we certainly, we're one with our wives. We ought to be caring much more about them. And as we do care about them the way we should, what's happening? We are benefiting from that. Why? Because we're one with them. We're one with them. So when you do good to your wife, you do good to yourself. And by the way, this is all closely related to the law of sowing and reaping. You get out of it what you put in, You reap what you sow. If you are nasty, abusive, mean to your wife, that's what you get out. If you love the way you should, that's what you get out. So we see these ways that we are supposed to love in obedience to God's command. We're supposed to do it all the time. We're supposed to do it sacrificially. We are supposed to do it attentively, giving of our time and attention. Can I say this? When you get married, if you had a life before you got married of, you know, you're going away all the time with the guys and doing this and doing that and all these different things, when you get married, things ought to change. That doesn't mean you can never do that. But what it's saying is this, your priority now has, has changed. Well, you know, but the, that guy's my best friend. Guess what? Your wife is supposed to be your best friend. Well, but you didn't understand. We go back a long time. No, you don't understand. You're going to be with your wife for the rest of your life. At least that's the way it's supposed to be, okay? Friend, be careful what you put in the bag. That's what you're going to take out. You reap what you sow. Let's invest as we should. We are to do it attentively, okay? So let me give you some practical things here. What does loving your wife include? Or simply put, how does a husband do this, all right? Let me give you some simple things, but they're very profound. The first is this, by lovingly leading her. Lovingly leading her. We are to love our wives as Christ loves the church. We are to lead. And you might say, well, how do you know we're supposed to lead? Well, because she's in submission. She's supposed to be in submission. That means we have the responsibility to lead. That's not a dictatorship. It's a sobering responsibility. Do we understand that This is one of the things we're going to give an account at the judgment seat of Christ about when we stand before the Lord in heaven, Ephesians five, verse 26, he is supposed to lovingly lead her spiritually that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. When we lead spiritually, we are fulfilling part of the responsibility. That's why guys who are disinterested in spiritual things, you are doing damage to your marriage. That's why guys who are hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold, that instability is a frustration to wives who want things right. So he is to lovingly lead her. Another thing under this, he is to spend time with her. Uh, look with me over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Now I know I've already somewhat alluded to this just a moment ago, but I want you to see this in 1 Peter chapter 3 spending time with her we pick it up in the first few words of first peter 3 verse 7 it says likewise ye husbands dwell with them ah, stop right there we will get to the word according to or the idea of according to knowledge in just a minute but you know why you can't dwell with them according to knowledge if you're not dwelling with them that means time spending time with her Dwell with them. This doesn't simply mean being in the same house or simply being married. It's focus time with your wife and her alone. Again, your wife should be the most important human being in your life. Might say, well, you know what? That's all all fine and good, but I got a career to fulfill and I got, you know, what about the kids and all that? Listen, this may shock some of you. Your children, in your family, your children are in the back seat. Your wife is up front, if I could use that illustration, okay? Ladies, by the way, your husband is supposed to come before your children. Did you know that? Your husband. See, the marriage relationship is the priority relationship. The marriage relationship will still be there, Lord willing, when the kids are gone. So a lot of couples, as soon as the kids are gone, what do they do? They go get divorced. That's not Right? It's not biblical. It's a violation of the word of God. And by the way, we never win when we do that. Spending time with her. Your wife should be the most important human being in your life. In any relationship, there is going to be, yes, constant adjustment and readjustment. That's the nature of life. Life is a series of adjustments. That's what life is. We're always adjusting to things. You come up with, okay, well, it was this way when you are younger. Now you're a little older, and now it's, it's this way. Okay, what do you do? Well, you're in this for the long haul because you made a covenant with one another. You adjust. Well, how do you adjust? Well, it's hard. Yeah, you know what? Do it together, though. You adjust together. You go through life that way. You get older, and, and all of a sudden, you're slowing down. Well, what do you do as things are slowing down? You adjust. You keep adjusting. Because you made a commitment many years ago that you're going to stick it out. You're going to stay with each other. You're going to grow together. And you get to where, like some of our seniors, who are either older seniors, still married, or maybe you've lost your spouse. What do you do? What do you adjust? Can't imagine what it would be like being married 50, 60 years to a person. But you see, those people who have been married that long and honored God and the commitment, you know what? They adjusted. They adjusted. They understood that their relationship was way deeper and more important than just themselves. Adjustment. The Lord said this way back at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, when he made the wife, and in that sense, marriage, right? Because you can't be married to yourself. Although somebody will try it sooner or later. Pass a law. Oh boy. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. That's the idea of you're together. That means you're together. You spend time together, okay? Be sure you plan time alone. Years ago, I can remember talking to somebody. I'm not totally sure. I think the person was a missionary we were talking with. And this person, you know, we were saying, well, you know, do you, you guys get, they had children, little kids at the time. Well, do you guys get, you know, you get, get some time, get alone and you go do something. Oh no, we're no, we're never alone. We always take our children everywhere we go. We're never, we never have time just one-on-one with each other. Something's not right there. Okay, something's not right now. I know there are people they're bleeding hearts. Oh, you know Don't want the kids to feel detached and all that. Oh, come on They'll be okay. You you know kids are resilient. They really are get yourself a babysitter occasionally. Okay And you have to have time Just the two of you you've got to nurture that relationship Well, the kids will cry if we leave Let them cry (laughs) It's good for them Okay? It's good for them. Every little kid goes through that. Every one of them. You know, what you ought to be concerned about is if you're leaving and they're going, whoo-hoo, all right, get those parents out of my hair. What they have of it. Be sure you spend time alone. The Bible makes it clear that the marriage relationship is the priority relationship in the home. Nothing brings, listen, nothing brings more security to children than real love between mom and dad. And real love is a consistent love. It's stable, okay? If mom and dad are always at each other's throats, you can be sure you are breeding insecurity into your children. God didn't make them to come up in that environment. Now, some of them do survive. Some of them make it. But why do we want to lessen their chances of making it in this world? we love them, we want to make it the best they can. The best thing you can do for your children is to fulfill your proper role in marriage, whether it's a husband or whether it's a wife, okay? If the marriage is not solid, the children will probably not be solid either. The marriage was before the children. Very important. Let me give you another one here. Seeking to understand her. You notice it says dwell with them, yes, but how? According to knowledge. That word knowledge means to understand, according to understanding. This does not mean information. This means knowledge. Again, it takes time to understand. And can I tell you something you already know? I'm probably just wasting my breath. Men and women are different. One of the great challenges of married life is to understand that and to learn that. It is not easy, but it is necessary Now, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek joke. I don't know if it was real or not, but years ago, it was talked about there was a book and it was called What Men Know About Women and you open it up and the pages are blank. (laughs) Yikes. Guys, we ought to be writing something in there, okay? Seek to understand. When your wife has a problem, listen and hear what she's saying. Listening and hearing is an art and it's an important skill to learn in marriage. It doesn't always come easy. Men are men, women are women, but we need to seek to bridge the gap and to understand, try to understand it. One of the biggest problems men have is that they do not hear what their wives are saying. Now that could be for several reasons. One, because maybe she nags. It could be because he doesn't care or it could be because he doesn't know how to listen. Do you know what? If you're in it together and you're committed to God's plan, things can improve, things can get better. Another reason men fail sometimes in this is because men see their wives, and I don't mean this in a physical way, but men see their wives as men see men. They just think, well, we all think the same way. They don't. Women don't think like men. Men don't think like women. You might say, I wish they did. This is part of the way God designed it though, folks. That's what brings balance. That's what makes us better is the differences make us better when we are in harmony to do God's will, we compliment one another. Sometimes the best thing to do is not even give her a solution. It's just to listen. That's hard for men because God didn't wire us that way. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, he that answers a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. And that is true. One couple that was having problems communicating Unfortunately, they decided to divorce. A judge was interviewing a woman regarding her pending divorce. He asked, what are the grounds for your divorce? She replied, about four acres and a nice little home in the middle of the property with a stream running by. No, he said, I mean, what is the foundation of this case? Well, it is made of concrete, brick and mortar, she responded. I mean, he continued, what are your relations like Well, I have an aunt and an uncle living here in town, and so do my husband's parents. He said, do you have a real grudge? No, she replied, we have a two-car carport and have really never needed one. (laughs) Please, he tried again, is there any infidelity in your marriage? Yes, both of my son and daughter have stereo sets. We don't necessarily like the music, but to answer your question, yes. Ma'am, does your husband ever beat you up? Yes, she responded, about twice a week he gets up earlier than I do. <laughs> Finally, in frustration, the judge asked, lady, why do you want a divorce? She says, oh, I don't want a divorce, she replied. I've never wanted a divorce. My husband does. He says he can't communicate with me. <laughs> Life is a series of adjustments, okay? Okay. I know I'm going over a little bit, but let me give you this last one because it's very important. According to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the fourth thing here is to honor her. A husband has a responsibility to honor his wife. It says, Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not Hindered. More about that in a future message, but you notice in the middle of the verse, giving honor unto the wife. In other words, guys, don't cut your wife down, especially in front of other people, okay? Rather, build her up, honor her, build her up. The word honor means to consider of great value. It's translated as the word honor. It's translated as precious. It's translated as price in the New Testament. A husband is to value and price and consider his wife of value. I can remember when I uh, worked out in the secular world, one of the places I worked, how common it was for the guys in the morning to be on break and to be talking and they talk about their wife and they say, my old lady, my old lady, what a mess that is. Don't ever say anything like that. Don't make jokes about your wife, okay? Honor her. Build her up. Be public about it. That means an awful lot. Listen, what we've covered today. Now, now ladies, let me say this. Your husband's not perfect, and you already know that. But guys, I'm asking us all to do this. Take what we've learned to say and say, God, would you help me live this out? You know what? As we go through this, every one of us, God's speaking to us. We know where we're failing, where we're succeeding, where we need to improve. Let's do that. You don't leave this here. We take it with us. That's why you have a note sheet. So we can take it with us. So we can pray over this. So we can be better and improve. And ladies, you want to help your husband? Don't beat him with this. Look at the areas where he is doing a good or decent job of it. And encourage him in those areas. And thank him for those areas. That will motivate him. By the way, that's respecting him. That will motivate him to be better as a husband. Isn't that the desire that we want things to be better at home, better in the marriage? It's not by beating one another with these things. It's by encouraging one another in these things. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much and God bless you.